This program is sponsored and produced by Wilsey Asset Management. Opinions and offers expressed during this program are not those of Intercom Communications or 97.3 The Fan. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brett Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now... Here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Woolsey. Well, good morning and welcome to Smart Investing Show. I am Brent Wilsey, and thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, I have been doing the Smart Investing Show here in San Diego on local radio for 27 years. I hope you had a chance to tune in. If not, please tune in and stay tuned in. We love hearing from you. If you have investment questions or want a fundamental analysis of a stock you own or looking at buying, selling, or holding, write these numbers down, 833 833- Two eight eight zero nine seven three. That's eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. And I'll get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. Good morning, Chase. How you doing this morning? Good. Good to be here. Always good to be here and doing the show here and a lot of callers last week. And before we take the calls, well, I do see Jim and Alpine already calling in. So Jim. Be patient with us because we got some important things we want to always cover to keep all our investors, smart investors here. Uh, I, I do want to start off, Chase, with the uh, man-made recession in 1981. I saw this in a report from Goldman Sachs, and it made a lot of sense because um, what has actually happened here, this is the first time since 1981, so to speak, that the government kind of forced a, fu- uh, a shutdown. And they did that back in 81 with raising interest rates extremely uh, very quickly. Well, now they just kind of shut everything down. But the difference being is that at that point in time, we had a nice rebound very quickly when they were done with their rising interest rates. Let's just take a moment. You said rising interest rates very quickly. They rose interest rates to 20%. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think they were at 11. I, 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 it was a huge amount. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and, the, and I think it was in the six-month time frame. Yeah, and that was the Fed fund rate, which, of course, right now is at 0%. So mm-hmm. just to give you a little perspective, 20%, I mean, you go back again to the mid-'80s, you're paying a mortgage of 18%, 19%. I mean, it was just ludicrous. But to actually have that quick spike spike in interest rates, what it would do is it would slow down lending because people are, oh my gosh, I can't afford to take on debt now. Businesses aren't going to take on debt to improve capital expenditures. So companies then would have to slow down their hiring, which is of course what happened and what uh, actually was the economic impact with about 2.5 million uh, temporary jobless workers. Um, You know, and I don't want to say it's the exact same situation, but the point is that it's a hopefully temporary situation here where things can come back quite quickly. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of things that people have to kind of look at. And, and one that we keep talking about is the pay. Uh, I always got to make sure I say all three P's. PPP, the Payroll Protection Program. And this is one that um, is has a lot of different factors to it. We could probably talk about this for the full hour. Obviously, we won't. But actually, driving on the freeway just yesterday seemed to be a lot more cars. And I think you said coming in, it was, did you call it fairly heavy traffic, you said? Comparatively. I mean, Comparatively, you know, over the last month, it right. was definitely, I would almost say, gosh, like close to double what, it, what it's been in my opinion. Right. I mean, you know, I, I recently did move, so I, I, it's kind of a fresh perspective, I guess. Right. I've only been in the house since we've had 
the lockdown essentially. <laughs> um, but it, it was it, it did seem like a little bit more was going on on the freeway than than what we've seen in the past. Yeah, and I've, I've noticed it too. We, we did do that post on social media. A lot of people agreed. Like, yeah, I've noticed that too. And what we appear, what we think is happening, is that employers are starting to hire back those employees uh, that got laid off or furloughed, whatever you're going to call it, um, which we're maybe now seeing more people coming back to work. Uh, you still can't be a non-essential business like you know the barbershops, salons, massage, you know all those nail salons. They cannot open yet. But still, other businesses, and and you got kind of like a personal story there as well. Yeah, well, I, I I do believe before I get into that is with the the PPP money kind of flowing through to these businesses now. I think you're going to see some of those companies that are like, well, I, I have to pay my employees. Maybe I will try and have them come back and do something that they didn't do before to try and provide some value. Right. Um. My my girlfriend <laughs> actually just got rehired at the store she works at. It's a, a retail company. Should we give them a promo? Uh, no. I'm going to keep it anonymous <laughs> at this time. Okay. Um, but yeah, so the, they got, I didn't get permission yet. So I'll, right. uh, keep we'll, it we'll on keep the it quiet. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry to put you on the spot yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> so she got hired back. She never worked in, you know, fulfillment e-commerce or anything, but right. they're bringing her back to help fulfill the orders. And what they would do before COVID-19 was about a hundred orders a day online. Wow. Right now, they're at 1,500 orders a day. 15 times. Yes. Wow. So, I mean, they are going to have to fulfill these orders, and they need the help. Very important they get that. Big benefit I also see here is this is not toilet paper that they're fulfilling. This is not yeah. canned food that they're fulfilling. This tells me that people with that $1,200 check, the uh, other people as well that, that have money, they're spending money on discretionary items. So that's, that's right. a very, very big benefit. It, it, it's like, uh, I don't know even what the, how to describe the product. I mean, it's not. It's like home goods. Home and, goods. You okay. know, yeah, it's yeah. The stuff that makes you feel good to put in your house or something, I guess. Yeah. So you yeah. don't need them is what we're talking Not food, not toilet paper, not cleaning products. Yeah. So I, I just think that's a, a big benefit. I, I think other businesses are looking at how can I bring back workers? We do have some revenue coming in right now. I want to make sure that I utilize the, the PPP money so I can get the loan forgiven. There are a couple stipulations there to make sure it's not actually a loan. You actually get that money. I mean, you have to look at the number of staff. Uh, your loan forgiveness would be reduced if you decrease your full-time employee headcount. I think you have until June 30th to make sure that employee headcount is there. Mm -hmm. You also can't reduce uh, the salary and wages by more than 25% for any employee that makes less than $100,000. And if you do this and you spend that money on payroll costs, rent, and some other items as well, that loan's forgiven. So I think these employers right now are looking to saying, well, how can I you know, still kind of keep my doors open somewhat, still abide by the laws, but also utilize my staff that I'm paying to provide some value? And one thing that I have been hearing and I was concerned about is that some people are saying, well, I don't want to go back to work because I can make more money on unemployment, which I'm, I, I get very frustrated people doing that because, again, they're, they're, I'm going to say they're stealing from the government because yeah. you have a job there. You just don't want to go to it because maybe you're making 100 bucks more per week, which is a fair amount, but it's not right. The, the government did that to help you through a difficult time. Now those people need to get off their butts and get back to work to help the economy come back again. And if I saw somebody that, that did that, I would give him a piece of my mind. I don't know about you. Well, I, I mean, because you, you got to think, you're not just even stealing from the government. You're stealing from that small business employer that's trying to help you. <clears throat> because that small business employer, they're probably not paying themselves at the current time. Oh, that's right. They that don't have any that. cash flow. Right. So they're, they're trying to keep that business up and running, and you're not helping them 
to allow them to get through this time. They need some help. Some of them really do need help to, like as I said, fulfill some orders. And by not allowing that business to do that, gosh, you are destroying that company. Yeah. And and I don't know if I should give out the break-even point for the unemployment, but full disclosure, we'll, we'll give it out. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I we <coughs> were reading the other day in CNBC to actually come out ahead of going back to work. Your annualized salary here in California needs to be more than fifty-four thousand. So if you made less than fifty-four thousand, it's better for you to stay on unemployment in terms of your cash flow than go back to work. But also, too, we do know that the extra six hundred dollars a week will end, from what we can tell, July thirty-first. So now if I had an employee, I said, you know what, um, Brent, I, I'm not going to come back because I'm going to get paid more in unemployment. Um, I'm going to stay home until I and, and until the employment goes down. I'll say, good for you. I'm looking for somebody else. You're obviously not an employee that won't work for me because you have no dedication at all. And and also you're pretty lazy. And, and, and what's irritating is, this, again, was done to help people through the difficult times. Well, also, well, I won't go too far off track here, but it, it was to get you through until your employer could hire you back. And, and that's when you need to go back to work. And the other thing, too, that we will see on the positive side, I mean, we've seen terribly, uh, terrible numbers on the weekly jobless claims. I think this coming Thursday is when they come out, we're going to probably not see reversal. Well, you can't I'm, see reversal because you can't have negative initial claims. You always have to have – it just shows the initial claim, so it's always going to be a positive number. That's true. Yeah, but but a big decline because they've been, what, $4 million, $6 million, I think was yeah. the peak and so forth. So you see, could see that come down much, much lower. Uh, and and, and well, I'm, I'm trying to think through here because this is uh, – the end of April, uh, so will we get a jobs report next Friday or not? Because um, I think it's the first Friday of the month. That's going to be very hard because that is <laughs> May 1st. Yeah. Uh, we may see more information on that report. If not, it'll be the following week, which I'd rather see because then you have more data. The problem is the data is going to be, when they start collecting it, it's kind of mid-month. So True. you're, you're going to see the unemployment rate is going to be ugly. It right. is not going to be pretty. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I do believe uh, that, as you said, the unemployment claims will slow down. and You could start to see the total unemployed or what's known as the continuing claims. I think you could start to see the continuing claims start to decline over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. That, that's what I believe. So, yeah, yeah. so uh, And I do want to point point out this retailer I'm discussing. They are not like saying, okay, we're hiring back 30 people and they're all in the store. That That's not what they're doing. They're still abiding by the laws. They yeah. only have 10 people in there. So, you know, there are going to be changes, but I do think, as I said, you'll start to see the workforce come back, which should help the economy start moving forward. And, and there, there are ways to go back to work, have social distancing, you know, follow the rules. You got to wear a mask if you want to and so forth. Um, but you got to get this thing back and going. And if people do not realize how bad the depression would be if we stay in this current situation. I mean, the depression, I, I believe, be worse than 1929. And people, oh, well, it's okay. It's more about your health. I'm sorry. You've not lived. And you can say that now because your mouth is full and you're, you're, cover, you're, you're in shelter. You start losing your home. You start not getting food. All of a sudden, you're going to change. Like, why did we do that? You know, so we, we've got to have, and there is a way to do it. Come back, be safe, get the economy back on track, uh, and, and get the economy back like we had before. I've said if we shelter in place for another six months, like the way we're going about, I think you're going to see, a res like you said, a depression that's never been seen before. I think you're going to take, you know, the, the, the Great Depression, it took us 10 years to recover economically from that. I think you could see something that could take, 
20 years. Yep. I yep. mean, it, it would be just an astro- – because then you're talking six months of no revenue for businesses. They're going out of business. The government or or our, our debt would skyrocket to, I don't know, $100 trillion. <laughs> oh, <laughs> something and, something and, crazy. And then the dollar declines, interest rates would skyrocket. I mean, you would have a disaster, and, and that's why – and every month we go beyond, I'm going to say May 1st, you're going to get closer and closer to a major depression. We need to turn things around now. So uh, let's make people feel better now, maybe. Uh, talk about marijuana stocks. Uh, while you have heard that pot stocks and sales are skyrocketing in, in the news here in California, daily cannabis sales uh, did surge to almost, what, $17 million on March 16th. But now, April 8th, they were cut down about $7.8 million. So not doing what people thought it was going to do. Uh, we've not looked at the cannabis stocks. We'll see if somebody calls in the one. Very hard to look at those because they're so small. A lot of the companies in Canada. But cannabis is not being the great moneymaker that they thought it was going to be. Yeah, and it, I thought it was interesting they kept them open as an essential business. Um, I don't know the classifications of why it's an essential business, but hey, it is, I guess. But, you know, I think people initially spiked up demand because it's like, well, I guess I'm home. I guess I'll just <laughs> <Right>. do some <laughs> weed. Yeah, do some weed so I can pass the time. <laughs> but I think maybe people were like, oh, yeah, I guess I actually maybe they went and overbought at the beginning of the month, so that's why the, the decline was or the, the sales did decline over time. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I continue to think cannabis is dangerous. Uh, you know, people always say, oh, but, but you don't get it. Cannabis is going to be legal federally. And I, I do think it'll become a, a federal um, law that, that mm-hmm. cannabis will become legal. But the thing that people are missing is there are so many different cannabis companies out there. I mean, you are going to have some major winners, but also I would say large majority I would probably put it, gosh, at like 70% of them would go bankrupt. And, and also, too, we talk about supply-demand. Uh, the supply would be huge because so many people are doing it. The demand will be there. But the problem is that when you're a government-regulated business, I mean, their taxes or expenses are very high. You still got that guy on the corner that he's, you know, just pumping a little bit of weed out there for you. And very easy to grow plants. Um, you know, you can have, what, four plants in your backyard or something? I, 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 the supply issue, I think demand will be high, but the supply, I think, will be much, much higher. And basic economics, you've got to look at supply demand. If your supply is much larger than your demand, prices will fall. Business will not make money. Business will close. Um, and if you're in a stock company, I, I, I would not touch that, even though you think, oh, the demand. Look at both sides. Well, we, we've actually talked about this before, and I haven't taken a close look at it in a while, but states like, uh, I think it was Oregon, where they don't have a, a permit requirement, essentially, uh, like here in California, we only give out a certain amount of permits. So those permits are very valuable, but the cost to operate is much higher. Yeah. In Oregon, where it's cheaper because the permits are, everybody gets a permit, the supply is so high that you're right. The prices are so low for people because it's like, well, I, I need to steal market share from that person. They're not making any money. Right, right. And and, and why in California do we have those high expenses? So the California, city of California gets more money so they can waste more money is what they actually do. So uh, we did say we're not talking about the uh, high-end clothing retailers because uh, one situation that actually has come up is that uh, these high-end retailers, uh, they have tens of billions of dollars of unsold merchandise. Now, usually what they'll do is they'll unload it, you know, to your TJ Maxx or your Ross stores. Well, they're not open either. And actually, they they don't have, I think Ross stores doesn't even have an online presence, do they? No, I, I, yeah, Ross stores does not have an online presence. And and so actually what's happening is that now the, the, the Neiman Marcuses, the Saks Fifth Avenues, the Nordstrom's, they're stuck with all this 
inventory from spring that they want to get out of their stores or their online stores because they're getting ready for summer to start with a new a new season. So they've really discounted this by 40, 50. I've seen as high as 70% on these clothes that is a true discount because normally when they get a discount, like they'll pump up the price and then they discount it down. You as a consumer are getting a great opportunity to get some high-end clothes at these retailers. And we own no sock in any of these retailers. <laughs> we get no benefit from telling this. Just telling you what is going on in the economy that this is the best time. And you, you could get a $1,000 dress for maybe $300, which yeah. would be phenomenal. And it is so important. Uh, I kind of hate to circle back to what we were talking about, sure. but just so important to kind of look at this because you think about this retail company and people say, well, why don't the retailers just not create the summer line? They already have the inventory. The understanding of how the economy works and supply chains and so forth is if they don't clear out that inventory, let's say, well, it's not just the store that's making less money. Now the people that were making the clothes, now the people that were making the fabric, they're not making any money. So now that's why it's so important to have this economy and having goods flows because one good can create multiple jobs. So again, by having this problem here, it, it could be a cascading effect where we need to see Ross stores and we need right. to see TJ Maxx get those older kind of lines, sell them at the discount, have the new lines come in at the higher price. It's, it's how the economy kind of functions. And I just had a thought too, Chase, it's going to be difficult for the Ross and the TJ Maxx's because when they do come back to open, what are they going to have in an inventory? Because if you're high-end retailers, because people say, oh, I can, I can get, you know, Coach Purses, and I can get, you know, uh, Michael Kors and TJ Maxx for the half price. Well, because of the older model, you want the new model, you got to go to the higher-end stores. But if the higher-end stores liquidated that inventory, what is going to be in the stores for the TJ Maxx of the world? Because they've got no inventory at all. That's where they get their inventory from. Yeah, and it, it could be... Uh, a couple months for them to kind of get rolling because right now you could see the, the what are we in spring so you'll see the spring line then the, the fall line will come out and maybe hey that's when they'll start to get the discounted spring line rather than you know the winter line might be completely gone because uh these retailers are selling direct to consumer now yep. or maybe they start to say we don't even need these guys anymore and, and also too i think the big time retailers when those stores are opened you will see discounts as well because they, they've got to draw people back in all these all these stores uh airlines, cruise lines, when they first open up and they get going, you're going to see some fantastic discounts on things. So uh, the discounters may have a difficult time frame. And we've not looked at one of their stocks in a while. I don't know what their stocks are doing, but I think they're going to have a lag to turn around because of one, no inventory. And well, I get a pretty good discount going straight to Neiman Marcus or, well, actually Neiman Marcus could be filing bankruptcy. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. So Saks Fifth uh, Avenue. There, there we go. go. There we go. Actually, Saks talked that maybe they will try to buy Neiman Marcus. So, all righty, uh, 918. You know what? Uh, let's go ahead and open the phone lines. I, I look over, we got like uh, three callers holding already. The phone number's here. You're on Join the Show, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833 833- Two eight eight zero nine seven three. Let's head out to Alpine and speak with Jim. Jim, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning, guys. How have you been? I haven't spoken to you for oh, almost a week now. Almost a week. Sorry <laughs> about that. Well, you need to call us during the week. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I wanted to get you while your bladder was still fresh. <laughs> what can so, we help uh, you with? Uh, Prudential, P-R-U. Okay. Uh, I was... Almost bought some yesterday, and I thought, you know, I think I'll wait over the weekend and uh, get your guys' opinion on it. By the way, you talk about the 80s and the interest rates. I was a mortgage broker back then, and I did 
I remember a 30-year mortgage at 18 and a quarter. Wow. <laughs> I, remember, I remember my partner got a five-year CD from Home Savings that paid 16%. Yeah. And, you know, so, and what people should have done back then, and I'll say hindsight is twenty twenty, is you should have went out yes, and is. bought a 30-year note from the Treasury. You wouldn't have got 16%, but you probably locked in around 12 or 13 for 30 years. That would have been phenomenal. Yep. phenomenal. But we learn as we go on. So, but um, anyways, yeah, it's quite, quite the time back we, in the 80s. We do. You're, we do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it's like a prudential here. Um, you're looking at buying it. Symbol is a PRU. Uh, we have a little bit of a situation here today. For some reason, Reuters not working. It's going to look at things a little bit differently than we normally do. Uh, looking at the oh, trailing good. PE, which is 5.6. That's pretty darn good. You're, you're paying about six times the earnings. Uh, for this company. Ford PE, even better, 5.2. Now, it has a PEG ratio of 0.94, and the PEG ratio is the price earnings divided by the growth. Tells you how much you're paying for the future growth of that company. That's pretty darn good at 0.94. We do see price to sales looks good at 0.36. Price to book value, 0.36, and that tells you you're paying 36 cents on the dollar for the book value uh, of this company. So you like seeing that. Uh, look at the profitability. They have a 6.5% profit margin. Uh, we do see return on assets are 0.37. That's pretty low. Return on equity, 7.5. I would like to see that a little bit higher. We do see the revenue of the last trailing 12 months was $64 billion. Uh, we also do see a gross, gross profit they had over the last 12 months of $18.4 billion. Net income was $4.14 billion. Uh, we do also see on the balance sheet, they've got about $26 billion in cash. That's very good. Total cash per share, like this one, 65, uh, I guess that's $65. Doesn't tell me if, if that, I know it's not a billion, $65 per share, I'm going to say. Uh, total debt is $36 billion, pretty high, but again, they are insurance companies, so they kind of you know have a different accounting. Debt to equity, 57. I like seeing that. Current ratio is 062 uh, I wish that was a little bit higher there. Um, also looking at what I want to find here, I got to find uh, these numbers a little bit different. Oh, the dividend, well, you get a nice yield here. 8.3% is the dividend yield. Uh, the average dividend rate, it looks like it's about uh, 4.4, $4.40. So payout ratio, very important though, uh, only 40%. So I like seeing that. I uh, One thing that doesn't worry me on, on this is they do sell a lot of insurance. And, and is insurance going to have problems down the road as interest rates rise? So you really got to understand what their main product is. And Prudential does have an investment unit. They have insurance. Uh, so you got to really understand the business here because, and I do believe going down the road, insurance companies will have a difficult time as interest rates rise. Chase, what about going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Prudential is $55.78. Uh, if I look forward to next year, 2021, uh, I do see the average estimates $12.05. I mean, that would give us a target sell price that, that almost looks kind of ludicrous at $195.21. I mean, that is a <laughs> huge discrepancy there. Um, again, the, the insurance industry has always been quite interesting. I mean, the 52-week range, I mean, the company did hit a high of $106.40 this year, uh, and the low is 38.62. So, I mean, it has fallen drastically from that 52-week high. I mean, maybe the 195 isn't so crazy. Maybe. But, uh, again, this one just seems seems interesting. I, I, I'm not in love with uh, especially life insurance companies. I, I do worry about them kind of going forward especially with the large amount of bonds. And uh, we talk about interest rates, of course, being at the 10-year notes under 1%. I mean, that thing starts moving up to 2 3% over the next 10 years. 
gosh, I mean, you're going to see some losses in that bond portfolio, and it could be hard for them to kind of match those benefits. Right. And, and one thing, too, Jim, that uh, we do hold an insurance company in our portfolio, but it is a property and casualty insurance company, and we've held them for, gosh, I think 10 years now. They've done very well for us. The other thing that they're doing is they're creating new types of insurance. I can't think off the top of my head, but I think it was like insurance on – uh, technology. technology and stuff like that. So very innovative, and they've done a very, very good job. I've, we've watched them manage your portfolio. They still have bonds in the portfolio, but I've seen them kind of pull back on it. So that's what you got to understand with an insurance company, especially a life insurance company. Um, and also, too, I, I don't know if this makes a big difference. And we've kind of talked about, I don't want to go too deep here, with coronavirus, more people are dying, not very many more, but that will hurt mortality rates on you know like a prudential because that's their main thing is life insurance so i i I would recommend you look for another insurance company and stay away from the prudentials of the world even though the target price looks pretty good i I just think there's better businesses out there to hold all righty all righty well uh thanks for that and uh you know thanks for being here again 97.3 appreciate it every week well jim we appreciate you being there as well be sure to tell your friends and neighbors i do i do we appreciate that um, (laughs) all right have fun, you guys, and good luck with your Reuters. All right. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's – oh, I was going to – I was just going to go to the next call, and all of a sudden he just dropped off there. So let's change that. Let's go up to Oceanside and speak with Don. Don, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yes. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Can you hear me? We yes. can hear you fine. Sound good. Okay. Great. <laughs> um, yes, I, I'm interested in Southwest Airlines, LUV. Okay. Do you hold that or looking to buy it? Um, I don't hold it. I'm thinking about buying it. You, you know, now the average person will say, oh, my gosh, you're crazy. Don, don't you know what's going on with the, with the airlines? Why are you buying the airlines? I think it's a smart move because you want to buy – uh, what is Warren Buffett saying? You want to buy when the when there's blood in the water. Blood in the water. There you go. So so let's take a and again, don't expect it to maybe turn around next week. But again, you're buying, I think, a good business. So let's look at some of the numbers here on uh, Southwest Airlines. Their symbol is L U V. We do see that. Uh, oh, I went to the wrong page here. Doggone it! Uh, that didn't work well for me. So just bear <laughs> with me for a second. Yeah, Reuters is having problems this morning, so we're using a different backup program, which doesn't work quite as well. Uh, we still get the numbers here. So, okay, trailing 12-month PE, 7.3. Now, that's down from December when it was 12.1, so that's a good move. Ford PE, still very reasonable, 10.6. And, and, uh, and just looking at what the numbers could be, obviously they're not going to make a lot of money in 2020, but we're looking at 2021, 2022, buying these businesses. So 10.6, uh, probably based on some lower earnings going forward, but that's still a pretty good P.E. ratio. Uh, we like it around 10 to 12 to buy it. Peg ratio, last five or five years expected, 9.1. That's pretty high. I would expect nothing different because of what the earnings are going to be over the next probably 6, 12 months. Probably won't be that fantastic. Uh, price of sales, 0.75. Price to book value looks good, 1.6. Uh, we do see that the profit margin... Now, these are numbers for December 31st, 2019. Uh, We're in the middle of earnings seasons here. I don't know if they are a fiscal year or calendar year reporter. I believe they're calendar year. We'll start seeing some different numbers next month. Uh, We also see return on assets looks pretty good, 7.1. Return on equity, very good for Southwest Airlines, 
23.4. They did have over the last 12 months revenue of 22.4 billion. That will be coming down. We know that, but still a nice number to kind of look at compared to. Uh, the gross profit was 7 billion. Uh, we do see the quarterly earnings growth year over year is down 21.6%. Now, this is very important this time is the balance sheet. Now, I do see the most recent quarter, they had cash of $4.1 billion. That's so important because of the fact that you've got to get through this tough time when you don't have revenue coming in. So $4 billion on the, on the balance sheet, I'm confident they can weather the storm. Debt to equity, uh, we do see that's 40.7. That's very reasonable. That's about $4 billion in debt. Current ratio, 0.7, which is on kind of the low side, but I do believe when they're selling tickets, they become a liability, hurts the current ratio, uh, so that, that can change that there. Uh, I've always been disappointed in Southwest. They've never paid really great dividend. Uh, their dividend yield now with a pullback on the stock is about 2.4%. That's on the annual rate, about $0.72. Cents. Uh, but I do like as the payout ratio is about 16.4%, uh, and that means they only use about 16 17% of their earnings to pay out that dividend. So I think that dividend is safe. I don't think you'll see that cut either. I do believe that they won't be able to pay the dividend. Did they cut it? No, if they take the, the, the money from the government, they oh. can't pay dividends, can't buy back stock. So, yeah, I, you know, and I didn't hear the end of that because I, I knew that there was talk about you can't buy back stock, but I'm not happy that's, that they can't pay dividends. That's, that's, I, I'm not 100% on okay. that. Okay. Um, it's still developing. I mean, you, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So well, that, that's one thing that I want to look into. I mean, the dividend yield, again, is, is not super enticing anyways to begin with, but um, I, I, I do believe that was kind of part of the deal. And I would not be surprised if they cut the dividend, even if, because I, I think they could see some backlash from right. people saying, oh, you're taking money from the federal government and you're still paying dividend to your shareholders, those rich shareholders. Rich so shareholders. I, There's a lot of people that are retirement that depend on those dividends. But anyways, yeah. what, what, what's it look like going forward, Chase? Yeah, so looking at the company here, I mean, 52-week range, we're looking at $28.80. 52-week high, $58.80. Three cents, and of course, that stock price near the 52 week low as again the current price here $29.33. I go forward to 2021. I see the average estimate is three dollars and four cents. I would give us a nice target sell price of fifty dollars and eighty-seven cents. Uh, and as you kind of pointed out, Brent, I mean, we're not looking at two thousand twenty because average estimate for this year negative three dollars and forty-six cents. <laughs> so we are looking ahead. I mean, I do believe we'll see a return to normalcy at some point. And I mean, you're getting gosh, these airlines at prices that haven't been seen for years. Yep. Uh, I don't think you'll see this type of opportunity again for quite some time. Yeah, and and, and Don, I do, I do believe that uh, again, you got to be patient with it. Nothing's going to happen. I don't think over the next week or month, and maybe even things can be very volatile. We do hold a airline in our portfolio. I've been very patient with it. But I think six to 12 months from now, and, and keep in mind, the end of the year, people don't realize this, the end of the year, you're not looking at how that company did in December. You're looking at how they're going to do in the summer of next year the spring of next year. So that's what you got to look at and look forward a little bit. And one thing to point out here, Don, is it could be volatile because it does report earnings on the 28th. So they report yep. next week. So we, we could see it move up or down. So we'll, we'll And it's not just happens. the earnings. It's the commentary that they, they talk about as well. Exactly. So Yeah, so. I, I think the earnings go out the window, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so do you, uh, what's would you guys uh, wait until the earnings come out to, to buy it? You know, I, I've been managing money for, what, 40 years, and it's the hardest thing to determine because you know that if they come out with something good, it's going to go up. If they come out with something bad, it's going to go down. And I and I, 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 I think we usually decide to wait because I, I like to know things. If I don't know something, I say better not to do it. So I, I, I think I usually tend to say let's wait till afterwards, realizing that if they do something good, 
Uh, it's probably going to go up, but it, it, we're still looking longer term. So maybe Southwest goes up, you know, a, a, a dollar or so. You're still going to get a very good price compared to six, 12 months down the road. So, already? Thank you. Okay, Don, thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's go to San Diego and speak with uh, Ashcon. Ashcon, you're on the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, I just wanted to know about Agilent. It's a little expensive, but I like it because they make microarrays for uh, testing for various uh, conditions. Uh, so I figured it'd be a good, you know, company in this environment. Yeah, it's just be a good. little expensive for me. Do, I just want to know what's. Expensive. Do you hold hey, it? I'm looking to buy it. Yeah, do you, do you hold it? Uh, no, I'm looking, looking, looking. Okay, yeah. right, well, let's pull up some numbers here for it and see what the business looks like here. Uh, we do see I have a market cap about $24.6 billion. Now, I do see that is about the same it was a year ago, so this stock has not pulled back. You're right, you do have a trailing P.E. ratio, price earnings ratio of 32.7. That is above the Ford P.E. of 23.4, and, and that is expensive because we like to buy a, a company, a business, around 10, 12 times forward earnings. 23 is very expensive. Uh, peg ratio about 2.2. Uh, that's okay, I guess. Uh, price to sales, 4.8. Price to book value, 5.1. So those are okay. Uh, we do see that they have a profit margin of 14.6%, which is, is acceptable. Return on assets is 6.8. And return on equity is very good, 15.5. That's a, like a baseline. We like a return on equity about 15%. Now, now the revenue was $5.2 billion. Uh, they had a gross profit of $2.8 billion. So they're pretty profitable there. We do see the earnings, quarterly earnings growth year over year was down 60%. So this is a kind of a warning sign. You got to see what happened last quarter and what happened this quarter. Why did the earnings fall by 60%? Perhaps this quarter or last quarter they had a change in assets, sold business, did a write-off, something. It gives you a warning that you got to look a little bit deeper. They do have a good balance sheet. they got uh, total cash on the balance sheet is about $1.2 billion. Uh, we do see the total debt is $2.65 billion because the total debt to equity of 55. I'm okay with that. Current ratio 1.6. That is good as well. I do see the cash flow. Another point number to look at is was 700 and $49 million. They do pay a small dividend of well, a little bit less than 1%, about 0.96%. The annual rate's 072 uh, so I wouldn't really buy it for the dividend. Uh, but the payout ratio, you know, it's kind of funny. Payout ratio is kind of high, 28 for such a small dividend. So I, I, I don't like seeing that. Uh, Chase, what about the numbers going forward? Yeah, so looking at the 52-week range here, 52-week low, $61.13. 52-week high, $90.64. And uh Agilent is kind of in the, the middle there. The current price is $75.75. Now, if we look forward to uh, 2021, the average estimate is $3.06. That would give us a target sell price of $58.32. So as you kind of said, it is it is expensive. It, it might be a good business, but you know I, I do think there are other opportunities out there. Obviously, with the pullback, there's a lot of opportunities out there to really adjust your portfolio to have good businesses at good prices. This this could be a great business, just not a great price. Yep, yep, and and okay. it's so hard because yeah, okay. Uh, and previous okay. caller talked about earnings. Yeah, a friend of mine actually lost a lot of money doing that, like buying before earnings because uh, of the volatility. So yeah, mm -hmm. I agree that you gotta wait. I like to wait till you know earnings as well. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's so, so important. Thank you, Ashkar. We, we appreciate it. Have a good day. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. And, Chase, I was going to say, too, that you want to be really careful about paying up for these companies now because one thing you're going to miss out on is, yeah, they're great companies. They made it through the, the, the terrible time here. They didn't drop. But you may not have good growth going forward. And what you want to do now is find the opportunities in investing of businesses that have pulled back 20, 30 percent, maybe more, and think where they'll be six, 12, 18 months down the road. Yeah, I mean, I, I always kind of point out, I think you're seeing a lot of front end demand for a lot of these businesses, like uh, kind of joking around with toilet paper. You're not using more toilet paper. Our no. world is not using more <laughs> toilet paper here. But people have just bought so much toilet paper. That means over the next, you know, three years, the, the, the normalized level will have us buy less toilet paper over the next three years because people have loaded up on it so much. And then the other thing, too, you look at like a company like Zoom. Right. Is, you know, people are, oh, my gosh, everyone's using Zoom. I think it, it's going to see uh, wider adoption. Yeah. But it's not going to be at these levels that we see right now because that's the only way people are really seeing each other. And, uh, you know, sometimes it creates an opportunity for new competition. Facebook yep. came out and they're launching a, you know, 50-person chat online that you can do a video call. So, I mean, there is these things that people, oh, I'm going to buy Zoom because this is happening. Very, very dangerous because it doesn't account for new competition yep. and new growth. That's why growth stocks are so, so dangerous. Yeah, and also profit margins, too. I, I believe it was the president of P&G came out and he goes, yeah, we, we made a lot of toilet paper, but it's a very, very low profit margin. And we do see that it is going to slow down because people stocked up on it. And therefore, they're not going to be buying a lot in the near future. So you, you got to be careful. Don't get too emotionally excited about things. Kind of look at it. Say, I like this business. Let me step back and kind of understand the business and also what could happen going forward. All right, let's go back to the calls here. Let's go out to Coronado and speak with John. John, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yeah, hi, guys. The stock I'm looking at is Hershey. Do you stock hold that or are looking to buy that? You know, I hold it, and um, you know, it's kind of about twenty percent off of its uh, off of its all time high. There pays a uh, pays, pays a decent dividend, and you know, good gross profit margins. Um, you know, low beta on it, but a pretty steady company. You, you know, I've looked at Hershey's. I know probably over the last ten years, I never got excited about it because it's always been expensive. Because everybody knows it, it's kind of one of these stable companies. Uh, and as you said, it kind of held up well maybe through this. I, I do see the market cap now is about twenty point two billion. It looks like the high was back in September of two thousand nineteen, about twenty three billion. So the stock has pulled back, as you said, a little bit from the high, but it just never seems to go on sale. And I, I don't know about you, but I like to buy things on sale. And and I, I look at the PE ratio right now for the trailing twelve months, it's twenty five. Even the Ford PE is 22. Uh, peg ratio <clears throat> for the five-year expected, that's 3.6. That's kind of expensive. You're paying 3.6 times for the sales, 11.6 times for that book value. Uh, we do see profitability. Their, their profit margin is 13.94. Uh, return on assets, 12.3. That's very good. Return on equity, I, I think they have very low equity. They have to actually look at this. Return on equity is 72%. They're, they're, that's just way too crazy of a number. So something could be happening there. Uh, we do see their sales were $8 billion. A lot of chocolate going out there. And I got to admit, I love Hershey's chocolate. We have it right here in the <laughs> office. <laughs> uh, <laughs> revenue per share is about 38.2. Uh, we do see a gross profit. Profit of 3.62 billion. 
Uh, diluted earnings per share is about 530. Uh, net income was about 1.1 billion. On the balance sheet, they've got about 1.1 billion in cash, so they got a nice stable uh, cash there. Total debt is 5.3 billion, gives you a debt to equity, uh, not good, 316%. So that's kind of worrisome. Uh, with that high of a, a leverage. I do believe, again, without looking at the balance sheet, they have probably low equity is my guess. Uh, current ratio is 0.99. That is good. Uh, we do say price to book value is 8.03. Uh, they pay a dividend, 2.3%, about $3.09 per year. Uh, the yield, again, about 2.26, and they use 55% of their earnings to pay that out. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price for Hershey Company here is $135.74. 52-week low, $109.88. And 52-week high is $162.20. I was curious. They, they only have Hershey, right? Do they have any other brands, do you know? You know, I... I... I think they had another brand that they bought, but I, I, I don't want to verify that. And, and I know they're not a U.S. company. I think they're actually based in – well, no, 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 that's fine. They used to be Hershey, Pennsylvania. Yeah. But I thought years ago that someone else was buying them from Sweden or someplace, I thought, but maybe not. No, they're still headquartered in, in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Good. So they're okay. still there. Uh, that's a positive. But, yeah, if we look at the Hershey company going forward to 2021 – Average estimate is $6.47. Would give us a target sell price of $104.81. So, unfortunately, love the chocolate, but doesn't appear to be a sweet deal. Stock might sour going forward <laughs> even. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, that that's where we kind of stand on that one, John. It, uh, you know, eat the chocolate, but uh, don't buy the stock. So Yeah, like you said, it, 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 it's, hard, it's hard to find it uh, on sale. It's, it's one that's always been, you know, kind of, a little elusive there to pick up more shares. Yeah, and it's, it's a company that I, I call it like my my wish list. Is you know, there's some companies that you just love. Like a, you know, one of mine is Costco. I, I think Costco's my favorite company to go shopping at. They obviously have great prices on gasoline, but right. it's just always been too expensive. But it, gosh, it, that opportunity comes where it drops down to 12 times future earnings. Oh, I'm jumping on that one for sure. <laughs> if if yeah. things still make sense, but yeah. Hershey could kind of be in that boat where you just like the company a lot, but you just got to wait for it to maybe drop on sale there. Yeah. Right. Well, John, Thanks good hearing from you. Stay safe out there. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Bye. All right. That does open the phone line eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. That's eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. Let's go back out to San Diego and speak with Peggy. Peggy, you're on the Smart Invest Show. Brent Chase, how can we help you? Good morning. Good morning. I'm looking at Micron Technology. And Peggy, got to ask, how did you, how'd you find us on the new station? Because I know you're a regular caller on the, on the old well, station. Well, I've been listening to you. I've just been a little depressed and haven't felt like doing anything. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome back. Good to have you back there, Peggy. All right. So, what's that? Glad that you're, you found a new home. Well, thank you. Thank you. All right. So, so let's take a look at the Micron Technology, symbol MU. We do see that their market cap uh, is about $48.27 billion. Now, their high does appear to be $58 billion, uh, and that was actually in February. Uh, we do see that uh, their low was back in May. I remember this company. We've looked at this company in the past. I think even with you, Peggy, we've talked about this company. Their earnings are like all over the board, which Chase will share with us. But it's just a company that I almost want to buy sometimes, but it, it gets me nervous. Uh, we do see right now the trailing <laughs> P.E. is 21. See the Ford P.E. right now not looking very good at all. 
It's a 20.4. You got a peg ratio, kind of expensive, 3.6. Price to sales, 2.5. And price to book value is 1.3. Let's take a look at some financial highlights. And oh my gosh, uh, not much is showing up here. I'm going to allow that NA. I do see a gross profit of 10.7 billion, but no revenue. Uh, no cash. I'm I'm getting nothing from this company. Let me, let me see if I can get the uh, uh, some some balance sheets here or something to to look at something here for you. I wonder if uh, they just reported. Uh, you know what? That's right. We're in earnings season. Perhaps let's see. Um, when I'm looking at what the income statement, yeah, nothing, nothing here. Well, Chase, why don't you see what you see going forward? I'll see if I can find anything else here to help help out on the balance sheet or income statement. I was going to say, I, it should have actually been reported because just based off this, it looks like the earnings date is June 23rd to June 29th. So um, numbers should be good. Maybe Yahoo's just lagging. Uh, but looking at the uh, current price here, $44.16, uh, 52-week low, $31.13, and it has still fallen from its 52-week high of $61.19. Now we look out to 2021, I see average estimate of 4 dollars 8 80 cents, excuse me, that would give us a target sell price of $77.76. So again, that looks good, but as Brent pointed out, I just do worry about this company's volatility and earnings, because all of a sudden you could be holding the company, and all, all of a sudden the earnings estimates go down to you know $10 a share uh, for a target sell price. You know, oh my gosh, what do I do with this company now? And when that would happen, that would be during a cyclical downturn, where you'd be looking at selling it probably not at its high. So it's just a hard company to kind of gauge, uh, and that's really been been the big downside, in my opinion, and one reason we haven't really pulled the trigger on Micron. Yeah, but, and actually, I do see I went to the uh, income statement uh, quarterly. Uh, they only show the last statement was uh, February uh, 29, 2020. So uh, this being, sometimes it can take four to eight weeks for them to release the full information. So so maybe we're just uh, in, in the, you got something there, Jason? Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, just as an example of this, I'm looking at the net income from for the company. In, in 2016, they lost 276000 In 2017, they made uh, $5 billion. Then, excuse me, they didn't lose 276000 They lost $276 million in 2016. Then in 2017, they made $5 billion. 2018, they made $14 billion. Then in 2019, they made $6 billion. So it, it's just the earnings oh, the are board. all over the place. And, yeah. the, and that's what is very hard to and those are the come up with a target sell price. Those yes, are the years. Those are the years. Right, yeah, because I, I looked at the quarterly earnings, and for February, they did earn $0.37. Cents. Uh, but then for November last year, it was $0.44, cents, then $0.51. Cents. So it, it's one of these companies that, you know, I think when it pulls back, it may be a good time to buy it. Now around the current price, it's it's not really on sale. Um, you, you could buy it at this price, and something happens, and it goes back down in the 30s. Uh, I, I know for years we've looked at this company, and sometimes it looks so good. Other times, man, we, we just can't pull the trigger on it because I'm afraid of uh, craziness yeah. coming up. So, All right, Peggy. Okay, well, I've got to sell something for the end of the year. Is that a good candidate? Perhaps. Depends how you've done on it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Are you up on it right now? I do own it, and I'm thinking about selling it. Uh, Do you have a profit, or or where do you stand? Yeah, I have quite a good profit in it. Yeah, I I think I would would do that uh, because I think there's other good buys out there that may not move as quickly. But you you do some research, you kind of look around like, wow, that that company was at 50, now it's at, you know, 35. What will that be in, you know, 12, 18 months? I don't think Micron will will do well over the next 12, 18 months. But again, it's such a such a hard company to kind of predict. So I yeah, that the company the reason I I think it it makes sense is this company. I mean, it can move all over the board. Yeah. I know 
gosh, when we started looking at it, it was at $6 a share. And that was after it was, you know, quite high off that. So it just moves all over the place. And that's yeah. that's a big concern I have with the business. Uh, it definitely requires a lot of research and studying what's going on with the business to see if it makes sense to hold. That That's one reason I think it would be a good candidate for you to perhaps get rid of because it is at trading at a relatively high price to its long-term yeah. uh, kind of stock chart there. Okay, Peggy. Okay, thanks so much. We value your opinion. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening, and have a good weekend. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. And before I, before I go to San Diego, I, I speak with Tony. Chase, I do want to mention, we talked about this, about the $1 billion problem in the brewing industry, that there's like 10 million gallons of beer uh, that's probably going to go to waste because it's sitting in ven- venues like bars and stuff across the nation here uh, with an estimated cost of $1 billion. Now, one thing I was thinking when I saw that was what are the beer companies doing? And we've not looked at them, but I'm just kind of giving people a hint of when we talk about different things to look at because I don't think beer consumption is going to go down. So when you look at buying a business, a beer company, if, it, if right now if it's down, I don't know, 15 20%, you get through this difficult time frame, think of where will that business be, you know, 12, 18 months down the road. I hope it's not like the, the food situation we're talking about with chickens and pork where they're having issues with the, the production facilities yep. and so forth where it's actually – we have all these animals outstanding, but the cost of food is going up. I mm-hmm. hope it's not going to flow through to beer because they can't, you know, get it from the <laughs> one place to another, and now beer prices are going to double, you know. Yeah. And, and this is just beer that they're saying that that's stuck in uh, – oh, what do they call the big containers? The, the um, uh, kegs, the kegs. Yeah. The, the, there's kegs. And that doesn't go bad, does it? I'm not sure. I, I, I think it goes bad at some point. At some point, okay. But but it wouldn't be as, as bad as food. But the thing is, what I'm thinking it could be doing is hurting beer companies like uh, Molson Coors and uh, I, I don't know the other uh, – the problem, too, we, we, we've actually looked at buying beer companies. Our, our concern was uh, the microbreweries. Now, what is this doing to the microbreweries? Maybe a problem for them. Well, the, the thing I look at is, you know, the reason I bring that up is because the the breweries are not refilling the restaurants to actually sell or the vendors to sell beer. But you're seeing a, a heightened demand from grocery stores to buy the beer and the alcohol. Is I, I'm hoping because they're they're not having to produce all this, but they can't get enough people in the factories to work. Then now it's like, oh, well, now yeah. we have prices go up on alcohol as well. So right. um, that's one thing I, I do get concerned about is the supply chains of the food yeah. and beverage industry. Um, so like I said, hopefully – they're able to still crank that out and not raise costs on consumers when it's tough for many to afford different items. Um, but it, it could be an opportunity in the beer companies, I guess. Yeah, yeah. just kind of giving people a tip of an area to look at. Uh, and, and it may not be right because we've not looked at it ourselves, but we're just kind of giving people a tip when uh-huh. we saw that. But that's my thinking. That's what we kind of look at. You look for problems that are fixable in a business, and then you find a business that is on sale that will turn it around in 12 to 18 months. Mm-hmm. So, All right. Uh, as I promised, let's go out to San Diego and speak with Tony. Tony, you're on the Smart Vegetable, Brent Chase. How can I help you? Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, all this uh, talk about beer and a hot day is making me thirsty. But, <laughs> but, it's uh, only 9.50. Uh, right. <laughs> guys, really just wanted to tell you, really enjoy the, the format of the new show. Uh, and been a long-time listener to you guys, but I uh, really, really enjoying the, uh, the commercial-free. So that, that's pretty awesome. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Qu- quick question for you on Valero Energy. I've been uh, a long-time holder of this stock. 
uh, ticker symbol VLO, Victor Lima Oscar. And uh, I hold it, and I'm looking to buy more. I know that they're going to report uh, first quarter results uh, this coming Wednesday. Mm-hmm. They've had a bit of a breakout since uh, end of March, March 30th. Uh, to closing price of 52.50 on Friday for that reflects a 30% increase. So it's a bit of a breakout. Um, looking to buy more and uh, want your opinion on that. Well, and we like this refining company. I think this is the best way to play the oil market. We've looked at some oil companies. Uh, they're, they're kind of pricey, but the refiners like Valero, they still don't look too pricey yet. And, yes, they're going to be hit. Uh, I have no clue what their earnings going to look like. But what's nice about them is they don't make money based on the price of oil. They make it based on the spread. Now, obviously, there's less oil being refined right now, so their, their earnings are probably not going to look that great. But, uh, again, things will will turn back around. So let me look at some numbers here for you as well to kind of see uh, things I can see. And, and we can tell the price is, is way down because the market cap is about $21 billion. Uh, it was in the high, and even I know it was even higher than this, but on December 31st, it was like $38 billion. So the stock has pulled back, creating, I think, a good buying opportunity. You do have a trailing P.E. ratio of 8.8. Now, the Ford P.E. ratio uh, looks rather strange, and, and this is by Yahoo, which we don't think is as good as Reuters, but for some reason, Reuters, we couldn't get it up. They're showing a Ford P.E. ratio of uh, 6 um, Hundred percent, and I, 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 six hundred sixty-six times. That's because they're looking at two thousand twenty, not two thousand twenty-one. Uh, okay, that's it's a shortened Ford P. Shortened Ford P. Okay, there, there we go. Yeah. So, uh, peg ratio also looks kind of strange. Eighty-six. Uh, price of sales. Now, this is what we kind of look up. Price of sales point two. You're paying very low money. You're paying twenty cents on the dollar for the sales of this company. Price to book value is point nine seven. Uh, we do see that their profit margin is two point three six. I know that is down. Uh, we do see return assets of 4.7. Return equity is still very good, 12.3. Uh, the revenue, $102 billion for the trillion 12 months. And we do see that we have a gross profit of $6.5 billion. Uh, earnings per share was 5.85. We do see quarterly earnings growth. And I'm surprised on this. Year over year was up 11.3%. Now, what's very important as we keep talking about, we'll keep reemphasizing, is to make sure you're buying companies with a strong balance sheet. They have cash on their balance sheet of $2.6 billion. Their debt is about $10.96 billion. So you have a debt-to-equity ratio of 48.6, so they're fine on the balance sheet. Current ratio, 1.4, very liquid. Uh, operating cash flow, I know they have a lot of cash coming in, $5.5 billion. That could come down for this quarter. But still, they, they generate a lot of cash. Uh, looking at their dividend, wow, dividend yield is now 7.5%. They pay at about three ninety-two or $3.92 on that. Uh, payout ratio still 61.6. And you probably will see that rise, but it's still a good business. Um, it is in the energy industry, but I think it's a nice way to play the energy market, which I we've seen oil come up quite a bit already. Uh, when people get back to work, back on the roads, we're seeing already planes start flying, ships start shipping. Uh, we're we're going to see, I think, a rebound in oil price. So again, not tomorrow, but in, in the future here. Chase? Yeah, so I uh, kind of already talked about the current price, but it's $52.50, $52 low, $31. As I said it has come up substantially off that low, but of course still well off the high of $101.99. Now, uh, again, a, a little bit cautious since it is Yahoo numbers. I, I do like the Reuters numbers better, but uh, on Yahoo, I am seeing an average estimate for 2021 of $4.10 for the earnings per share. That would give us a target 
sell price is $66.42. Uh, wish I had the, the more verified numbers for you there, but it does give me some, I don't want to say cause for concern as it, it is still above the current price, but I, I, I think you already own it. I, I think I would, as you kind of talked about earlier in the show, maybe wait, see what happens in the quarter before kind of jumping into it and adding to the position. And, and Tony, percentage-wise, how much does it make up of your portfolio? It's about just it's about three three percent of my portfolio, I'd say. Okay, yeah, well, well at that level, that's that's when we look at uh, adding uh, back, kind of bring it back up somewhat. But yeah, I mean, let, let's wait for the earnings, see what happens, and maybe get a little bit of our better price in the fifty-two dollars a share now. Already, appreciate it, guys. The value value your opinion. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Bye bye. All right, let's head out to Bonita or down to Bonita and speak with Scott. Scott, you're on the Smart Investor, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, gents. What do you think of Laurel Space? Took a small position in it to diversify into that sector, and it has pulled back. Numbers are a little bit hazy, but what do you think of Laurel? Okay, let's take the Laurel Space and Communications symbol, L-O-R-L. Uh, I do see it has pulled back. I mean, gosh, the market cap now is $476 million. It was a high back in September 2019 of $1.2 billion, so that's more than a 50% haircut. We do see the trailing 12-month uh, P.E. is a 5.4, so that's good. I see nothing going forward here. Now, could be a lack of analysts, and that's very important. We'd like to see at least four to five analysts that are giving us a, a, a nice average going forward. So uh, check the analysts here. There may not be any. Maybe, well, we can't really see it without Reuters. That's one thing that Reuters provides we really like. Uh, we do see a price of book value, 1.36. That is okay. Uh, shows profit margin zero. Uh, not NA, but actually a 0% profit margin. Uh, here again, we're not seeing a lot uh, of numbers. I do see on the balance sheet, uh, total cash is $259 million. Uh, not bad, but obviously not great. Uh, debt to equity is $1 million, it looks like. It seems to be a small company. I, I don't – what was the market cap here? $400 million. $400 million. Yeah. $477 yeah, million. That, that is kind of a – I mean, some of that we would stay away from because we don't want to move the market. You know, we, we manage hundreds of millions of dollars, and if we were to buy something like this, we'd actually move the market, so we'd try to be careful of that. Operating cash flow, $2.1 million. Uh, does not pay a dividend. Um, I don't have a whole lot here that makes me feel comfortable. Do you, do you have much over there, Chase? Unfortunately, I mean, this is one that you know it, it could go up, could go down. Yeah. Uh, definitely, it takes a lot of research because based off what Yahoo's showing here, uh, there are no analysts that provide any input on the estimates going forward, which does kind of concern me because it, it leaves the investor kind of on their own to do the the analysis of what things are going to be like going forward, and then that's a a cloudy picture oftentimes. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and Scott, one thing I could recommend you do is, is hopefully next week we have Reuters back up and running. We'll see what they provide. So at this point in time, we, we, don't, we can't give enough information to even point in, in, in the right direction. Uh, give us a call next week. We'll take a look at next week. Hopefully next week Reuters up and running. We can give you a different perspective. But right now I, I just don't see enough to say yay or nay. I do like that it has been cut down on price, which could be a you know, company on sale. But before you buy that company, you want to make sure that, you know, things look pretty good. So give us a call next week. Can you do that? I will do that. Until next week. Bye-bye. All right, Scott. Have a good one. All righty. I looked at the clock, and gosh, this hour just flew on by. Didn't it, Chase? Oh, I can't believe it. And there's a closing bell. I was going to say, enjoy the heat this weekend. You know? Yes. Enjoy the heat and go up. Maybe go out to the beaches. I don't know. We won't talk about that. But uh, 
Thank you for listening to Smart Investing Show. It is for information purposes only and should not be used as an investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information along with investment tips, Go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Today's show is sponsored by Thompson Reuters. Have a great day. We'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show. This program is sponsored and produced by Wilsey Asset Management. Opinions and offers expressed during this program are not those of Intercom Communications or 97.3 The Fan. KWFN-FM and KWFN-HD1 San Diego. Hey, this is Austin Hedges from the San Diego Padres. Smoke down the left field line. That's a double for Austin Hedges. Padres play here on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. I'm Erica Herskowitz, and this report's brought to you by Ace Hardware. Ace is committed to helping our communities in the 